an empty house. So hold my hand, I'll walk with you, my dear. The stars creak as you sleep, it's keeping me awake. It's the house telling you to close your eyes. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Dujah, and joining me, as always, the one and only Matthew Marchetti. Matt! You! It's October. It is October, How baby. How you doing? Shocktober! Shocktober! Rocktober! Yeah! yeah. Shocktober! Yeah! Both those things. All, <laughs> all the things. All the things. How, uh, how, is the, how are your 31 days of horror going so far? They're going. I'm on day, uh, I think tonight will be day six. All right. right. Yeah, that makes sense. Math is hard. Um... No, it's going good. I'm trying to vary it with like different types of movies as usual and different um, years when they've come out. So if I do a you know, more recent movie, I try to do an older movie and also just trying to do like theatrical DVD release, Netflix, all, all that good stuff as much as I can get. So it's going really well. I'm really loving it. Yeah, excellent. I'm really loving enjoying them. There was one uh, that you reviewed, I think, last night. Was I Bury the Living? Yeah, it was two nights ago, yeah. Which sounds so creepy and fantastic. Yeah, and yeah it was awesome. It. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, I'd never seen it before, so I loved it. I appreciate you delving into films that you haven't heard of. Anyone could easily review all however many Friday the 13th films there are. Yeah. But you go you go a little classic. A little classic. I, already did, I did those. I did Halloween. I did Neighbor and Elm Street. I did Friday the 13th. And I did the Chucky films. Um, have you done the Leprechaun I, films? I have not done the Leprechaun <laughs> films. I actually, like... Started to do it one day, and I was like, "Oh no!" Like, <laughs> it's good, but I, I feel like I actually have to like watch them with somebody. Watching them by myself is just like depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what does my life come to? Yeah. It's, it's as de- I'm, I get as depressed as Jennifer Aniston probably feels knowing that she was in the first one. So, I know, well, I know. Well, well, we all got to start somewhere. Yeah, we can't, we can't all be Ed Norton and just knock it out of the park with <laughs> no, no, with it's primal true. fear. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so this, yeah. so Matt, this week we are starting our uh, October fest. Uh, look back at the horror films, the few and far between horror films that have been nominated for best picture, and well, we may have to stretch the definition of some of these. Uh, this week's first entry is The Sixth Sense written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan, starring Bruce Willis, Haley Joel Osment, Tony Collette, Olivia Williams, and a very young what's-her-face from the OC, M- Misha Barton. Misha Barton, yeah. yeah. Misha Barton. Yeah, yeah, what's-her-face. Yeah, you know, okay, so take us back. You're 15, 16 years old. 1999. Yeah. What does this movie do to you? <laughs> it, makes me, it makes me so angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm it like infuriates me thinking back. So, so the the movie came out in yeah August uh, of '99. I had it was again. I was at that moment when it was like if it was hyped, I was like, nope, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see anything. I'm just gonna stay at home, water my plants. Um, I didn't have any plants to water, but I just did not care at all. And I, it's funny. I loved Bruce Willis. I mean, I still sort of love him. There's he's he's made some. Some strange choices in the past ten years or so, but I, 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 at the time, loved Bruce Willis, and it should have been something I was all about, considering it had to do with like spooky things and things like that. But everyone loved it so much that I was so angry about them loving it that their joy like caused me to just say like no. 
so I actually didn't see it until it was out on home video. Ooh, uh, home video. Like home act- video. Actual, actual video? Yeah, for the home video. It was a VHS tape, I believe. Yeah. And my friends rented it, and they had probably all seen it in the theater, and I was the one at home avoid it. So they were, like, excited about me seeing it. And I think, like, and I'm I'm terrible with, like, figuring out movies. And, like, ten minutes in, I just randomly threw out the twist. And they just meant like, what? How did you know? And I was like, you bastards. I didn't know at all. I just said it because it was about ghosts. Sons of bitches. Are you kidding me? So then I sat and watched the remaining, like, hour and a half. Just bitter. More bitter than ever before. So, um, yeah. <laughs> but it was fun to revisit it without the bitterness of that. Okay. Had you had you ever seen it since then, but before now? No, and actually, it was. It's funny. I actually watched it. It was actually a little while ago, maybe like a maybe a month ago. But I watched it because it's going to be potentially part of my master's thesis, right? My chapter on the ninety. Oh. So uh, yeah, I think it was my kind of like reconciliation with the movie. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to write about it. Maybe I'll feel better about it. I, and I don't honestly, I haven't written about it yet, so I don't know how I'm going to feel about it when I start to write. It might, I might get angry. I might get a little angry. But yeah, it was, it was fun. I hadn't seen it since 1990. Well, probably 2000, really, at that point. And then, yeah, I hadn't seen it since 2000. Yeah, we were such bitter young fucks back then. Yeah. I, God. No. I, would, I just want to hit myself. <laughs> like, go back in time and just like, stop it. Just, yeah. Whatever you're doing, stop. Nobody was, nobody was paying attention to us. Women didn't like us. And I was just like, I hate everything. <laughs> like, oh, God, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go join a fight club because that seems fun. <laughs> the worst idea. Uh, so <laughs> summer nineteen ninety nine came out in August. That was like one of the formative years. We talked about it in our previous episode discussing American Beauty, where we touched on this briefly. Um, I remember seeing this and you know being like, oh, success, like yeah, Bruce Willis, sure, fucking whatever. Like yeah, everyone's saying like yeah, it's like Spielberg. I'm like, what? fucking love Spielberg. Oh, see this, love the hell out of it. I'm clueless when it comes to movies. I didn't see it coming. But I was like, all right, like, I'm cool. I recall 1999 being also the year um, that Blair Witch Project came out. And that had much more of an effect on me. Because that, yep. like, that fucked me up from going in the woods for a long time. <laughs> like, being like, and I'm alone in the woods. And this is terrifying. Yep. Fuck <laughs> yep. this noise. And as you know, you know, I spent many months out of my life alone in the woods. So I've since come to terms with that. You but know, I, yeah. But you know what I recall from 1999? A Stir of Echoes. Yeah. Man, that movie got the shaft because it came out a month after this movie. And it was so good, but everyone's like, yeah, that's not Sixth Sense. I'm like, oh, it's just the worst timing of one of those twin movie things that occasionally happens, like Armageddon and Deep Impact. Because yep. A Stir of Echoes is so good. I love, Kevin, I love me Kevin Bacon. Um, it's a little more adult, a little more violent. Uh, it's just, it's, I don't scarier. know. It's Way it is, it is, yeah. the ghosts are real. Mess you up, man. Yeah, the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's got, it's got some great human drama in it. Both movies are uh, are what they are, and I would love to talk about um, a stir of echoes. And I believe there is a sequel that I've never seen. From a stir of echoes. There is Rob Lowe, I think. Of course, there's Rob Lowe. When you need I don't somebody, know why I know. that's so. <laughs> yeah, what, what what that? I don't know, Steve. I don't know. I don't know why I know that he's in that movie. I just know. I said, I'm, I'm I, gonna go look it up, but I know he's in the movie. I don't know why I'm even. Picking all, it up. Right. all right. Anyway, so that that was that was my um that was my little little history with it. Enjoyed it. Uh, I still have this movie on 
OG DVD. I think it was a flip. One of those ones that had the full screen and a widescreen yeah. on it. Like, what? Yep. Madness. Cause Getting crazy. Yeah. Like, this along with The Matrix, they were one of, like, the first DVDs that were just like, on the previous movie again and again. And yeah. Yeah. Yep. up. I was kind of, you know, I, I know it was, no, it's weird. I was kind of hoping you hadn't, had, like, never seen this movie just so you could, just to be like, what's he going to think about it? But I think it's it utterly <laughs> impossible to. Remove yourself from like even if you haven't seen this movie, like you know what happens. Like right at this point, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert: Bruce Willis is dead. Just sorry, folks. What? what are you what? talking about? Oh my god, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was bluffing the whole time. I had never seen it. Ah, oh, damn it! Strikes okay. again. Strikes again. And we're gonna take a short break, and we're gonna discuss the uh, briefly the Academy Awards of that year a number of nominations and then we'll get right into the film itself. So stick around. Well you know the sixth sense for me was the um the first time I just uh allowed myself to be myself. You know, I kinda I did two little movies before then and I was, you know, I had thought that the way to get into movies was through the kind of art world, through film festivals and stuff, because that's how everybody was getting, you know, known. You know, Soderbergh and all those guys and so I tried that. I'm not good at that, and um, I'm I'm bad at that, you know. And uh, and I just, you know, was failing. And uh, and I looked around my house, and I said, you know, saw my movie posters that are up, and I saw Jaws and The Exorcist, and you know, and Raiders of the Lost Ark, and and uh, I said, you know, I should just make one of those. You know, I don't think people, you know, wait for permission to make one of those. Just just go make one of those. So I sit down and I said, you know, I, I love ghosts. Let me just make a ghost story. So I started writing a, a, a ghost story. And so it was really kind of the freedom of realizing, you know, you love this kind of food. Why don't you, as a chef, make this kind of food? And, uh, and I guess I was waiting for someone to give me permission. And, and I realized, you know, nobody gives you permission for that. I believe, actually, that when this movie came out, I saw it with my mom. I, like, bought it and like, I bought it or rented it. And was like, Mom, you got to watch this movie. So I watched it with her, but it was me. I was, like, watching her. And my mom oh, was yeah. really smart, and I feel like she figured it out. I was like, come on, really? She did, I think she did the same thing with The Usual Suspects. So, oh, Mom, wow. thanks for being really that one's That's crazy, actually, that one. Yeah, or, or, some other, or maybe some other quick one. But either way, she's. That's a knack for figuring these things out. She she reads mystery books and she's much smarter than the rest. So kudos. Anyways, The Sixth Sense, M Night Shyamalan's third film, but his first big like movie that like put him on the map. He originally had uh, his first two movies, one of the one of which was Wide Awake, made so little money. But this was the second highest grossing film of 1999, right behind. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, but unlike Episode One, this movie earned a whole lot of Oscar nominations. <laughs> it was nominated for six. It did not win anything. Sad to say. But what was it nominated for? Other than Best Picture, which we could safely assumed, it was also nominated for uh, Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Mr. Haley Joel Osment. I think it's. I'm int- I'm interested in these acting awards. I feel like I feel like one of them I'm sort of behind, but one I'm not. I feel like one is just sort of like it's the Haley Joel Osment one. I don't feel super confident with that one. In, in that in in 
that he is a supporting actor or in, or in that he does not deserve the award, the nomination? I don't know. I, I think maybe that he doesn't deserve it. He's fine in it. I just, I'm just kind of like... <sighs> really? I think, I think he was great, but he, you can make the case that he is, in fact, the ma- one of the main characters. In that yeah. He, he could easily go for uh, regular, you know, best actor, but this is a case of Timothy Hutton from Ordinary People. They're like, yeah, he's in most of the movie, but we're just going to put him in supporting it, yeah. actor, so there's a better chance of him winning. I guess I guess he was good. I wanted to give him a hug at a few times and my 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 favorite scene in the movie that it's the scene at the very end when he's talking to the mom about the grandmother is it really only works because he's equally good in that scene, I guess. Um so yeah, all right, fair, fair. Okay. I retract what I said. Retract what I said. And then but and then definitely. Yeah, Tony Collette is just why well, I'm I'm like all about her anyways. She's just great. Um but I think she's just such a great presence in the film and she's very like I feel like she's so grounded compared to some of the other characters I mean really compared to every other character she's like the most grounded and real which makes sense uh, considering the situation everyone else is in but she just feels like a you know working class mom just trying to make it work but somehow she still manages to stand out in this movie that has a lot of like weird people dealing with weird shit um, she really stands out I think for just being like a real like presence in the film. And I always like that. Um, about you know, if anyone can bring that to a movie, um, I just like it, and I think she does a really good job in that role. Agreed, agreed. She's the she doesn't see dead people, nor is she a dead person herself, so she has the burden of being the uh, kind of our our audience character. Yeah. Because like, you know, for the first hour, you're going, what the hell is happening? And you're right. Like, what? This mom, this kid is crazy. This mom's just going through a lot of. She is, yeah. yeah. What's next? Uh, we had best director for Mr. M. Night Shyamalan. I mean Shyamalan, sorry. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make fun of that name all night long. So Shyamalan us again, that bastard. <laughs> uh, he he also picked up a uh, nomination for best writing, screenplay written directly for the screen. Um, he got a man. He got a man hired for this script. It was bought by Disney for like 2.25 million dollars basically sight unseen <laughs> and they were like they fired they fired the guy who bought it because they were like really? no there's not gonna what like what is it and so they they pawned it off on uh, whatever the company would eventually produce it but they got about 12 percent of the uh profit which turned out to be a great deal for them but yeah they right. dude lost a job because he bought this screenplay well, that's funny because that's that. I always wonder when I watch this movie why it, it it's a big movie, but it's produced by Hollywood Pictures, which is that. But that makes total sense that like a smaller production company would have picked it up because because of that exact reason. I'm like, why isn't this like Paramount? Or it feels like this should be a Miramax film, um, or it just feels like from that era. But let's not talk about Miramax right now. Harvey, yeah, Harvey really Weinstein really some, some shit going on right now. <laughs> All right, the last uh, nomination was for. Best film editing, uh, Andrew Monshine. And I, I feel like that's actually a, a pretty key player in this film, considering the sort of like way the events unfold and how we have to see the events and sort of the misdirection that goes on in the movie. Right. I feel like it would be really ineffective without strong editing. So that, that's, I would say, at least a very strong uh, nomination. Pick. Yes, I would, uh, I would absolutely agree with that. Because they, they, they have to give you just enough. But right. also hold so much back 
and that's uh, it's a delicate process though you know combined with the cinematography which i think is also great and sort of earned a nomination the editing is, is very good in this movie it is yeah it's great and but of course we know it uh lost all of those pretty much almost all of them to american beauty uh that year no stopping that but uh you can go listen to that episode mm-hmm. we recorded uh earlier this year it was a fun time. Yeah, we got into it. Yeah, it was good. Oh yes, we d- we we certainly did get into it. Um, we will all. You can also find out about everything else that came out in 1999, which is one of the banner years of cinema in the last 30 or 40 years. In the same episode, great year for movies, and I do have to say, Sixth Sense. It's one of those ones you remember from from that. Oh, I will make a prediction. Sixth Sense, one of the highest grossing horror movies of all time, nominated for Best Picture. Exorcist, also one of the highest grossing R-rated horror movies of all time, nominated for Best Picture. My prediction, it is going to get nominated for Best Picture. It's not, but if it would be funny if there was a clause in the in the Oscars saying that if a, <laughs> if a horror movie earns... is like It must, it, it, it must. Yeah, it must, get, it must get nominated. It would just be, it would be hilarious. I hope that it doesn't. I, it doesn't get nominated. I hope that it doesn't get nominated, because if, if it just sets a... We're gonna, then we'd have so many, like, Stranger Things types, type films after that, which we're already going to get anyways because of the box office. But right. I just feel like it – and then it just sort of, like, sours the movie a little bit. I think you could look back sometimes and you're just like, yeah, remember when that was a thing and all those other crappy movies that came out after that were, that were like it and they sort of just ruined the experience a little bit in a way. I, I guess you have to let them ruin it, but at the same time, I, it, it makes the market get saturated. Yeah similar product and then you're just sort of like ugh, ugh, come on <laughs> yeah. come on just like, like I, I like the purity of it i mean it, look if it gets nominated i'll be i'll i'll back it and i'll be really pumped about it that'll be great anyways but i also there's a part of me that's like don't please don't it's, <laughs> it's a it's a very big year for it awards I, th- I think there's a lot of contenders it is not among them it would just be kind of funny if it's yeah. like well it's got it made the most money and it basically saved Hollywood this summer, so I yep. guess maybe we should toss it a bone at the, at yeah. the Academy Awards. However, I do not think that would happen, but if you have I, thoughts, you can write to us at Podcast at gmail.com and let us know about it. We'd love to hear from you. I want to tell you my secret now. dreams while you're awake dead people like in graves and coffins walking around like regular people they don't see each other they only see what they want to see see them all the time they're everywhere for those who have been living under a rock for the last eight 
question is, what does IMDb say The Sixth Sense is all about? It says, a, a boy who communicates with spirits that don't know they're dead seeks the help of a disheartened child psychologist. Did he seek the help? No, I... <laughs> I don't remember him seeking the help. He, didn't seek, he did not seek any help, and that is actually one of the things I noticed. I, they never explain how. Malcolm Crow, Bruce yeah. Willis, gets into contact with this kid and has has the notes he does on them. Now I'm guessing it seems like those uh, Haley Joel Osment, Cole Sear, hilarious name by the way. Yes, God. is sort of a beacon to ghosts. Like they come to they seek him out because they need something, and he's like a light in the darkness for them. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how Willis gets the notes he does and writes on them as he's been yeah I, I, I'm, I was always confused by that i think that's like one, like one of the few things that doesn't hold up so which brings me to the next question how does knowing what the twist is bruce willis is dead how does that affect your viewing of the rest of the movie and do they offer enough supporting evidence to make it not so much twisty but a actual um, natural progression of the story. Um, I think watching it a second time, um, I actually found myself. Uh, I mean, my, my first viewing of the film was just tainted by just absolute insanity. Um, <clears throat> but I found myself, and maybe it's because I'm older as well, but I found myself connecting with Malcolm Crow so much more because it's so much more tragic. I mean, it's already tragic, anyways. But it's even more tragic sort of watching him go through the motions of being a, a person in a marriage and all this stuff and knowing that, like, no, nobody, like, it's just not happening for you. And it's just, you're like, it's just, he's, you see that he needs um, Cole's help just as much as he does, like, from the very beginning. And that, I think, makes their, their dynamic and their relationships so much more powerful than it was upon first viewing because you sort of understand the relationship from the beginning what the relationship will become, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I was just super into it. I, I, I felt that I was so much more connected to the to the duo um, as a result of sort of knowing, which is interesting considering it's one of those movies that you sort of, you, you sort of, you sort of have to watch it twice, I feel like, to, to give it its just due. Right. Yeah. What, yeah, it, what works in it is that it's not really a, it's a movie with ghosts in it, but mm-hmm. it's not really a ghost movie. It's not a. It's certainly not a conventional horror movie. There are not yeah. a lot of jump scares. There's a few moments of gory details. You have the ghost with just half his head blown off. The, right. uh, you have um, the, the the wife who's uh, you have Lenny's wife who's very crazy. But not a yeah. lot. There's there's it's nothing. There's a creeping sense of unease in this more than there is outright horror mm-hmm. because I, I think I, I think largely it's because none of the ghosts are like evil per se they're just kind of lost wayward souls. Yeah, yeah wayward they're wayward souls and uh, I think what doesn't get enough credit is that Stavalon approaches it not as a horror movie or a ghost story but as in I suppose in classic Spielberg fashion it's a movie about family 
Mm-hmm. Um, the families that you have, that were, so you have Bruce Willis and Olivia Williams, they're, they're married. Mm-hmm. You have Haley Joel Osment and Tony Collette. And the family that those they kind of make, um, I th- it's, it's ultimately about fathers and sons, I think. Haley Joel Osment, like the kid in E.T., is looking for a dad. Yeah, and that yeah. He, fi- he found that in E.T., and I think Haley Joel Osment <coughs> finds a male figure that he can communicate with. We, you know, we know that his dad left, and you know, Cole still has his glasses without the frames in it as sort of a way of connecting. And Malcolm Crowe is a child psychologist. He himself does not have any, 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 chi- any children of his own. Mm-hmm. And while <laughs> I don't know if the text completely support supports it, it, it does seem like that's the natural next step. And in finding Cole and helping Cole, he does help himself, and he beca- he finally is able to let himself go. And so, like as you say, they need each other mm-hmm. uh, n- uh, the same. And the focus on that relationship is what makes the film hold up beyond the twist. Because the first time you see it, Whoa, my God, this twist <laughs> is amazing. Oh, he's dead the whole time. I didn't see that coming unless you, of course, did see it coming. But it, it, it works as a movie regardless. Some films are just about pulling the, r- pulling the rug out from under right. you. And right. It falls apart because you're like, oh, okay, well, that's great. But the rest of it is such a solid, a solid, um, a solid film. And um, we have to talk about the two main players. That's Bruce Wells and Haley Joel Osment. Uh, what do you think of Bruce in this? He's going <laughs> way against type here. He doesn't shoot yeah. anybody. <coughs> I know he's not walking on glass with no f- no shoes on. <laughs> he's not curling his toes. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was a, a you know a strategic move to play against type here. Um, I again, I went in with the recollection that I I was like oh. He's just so sleepy and boring in this. But again, knowing what you know, knowing what the movie's really go- what's really going on in the movie the second time you see it, or the multiple, you know, third or fourth or fifth time you see it, um, you understand why he's so like forlorn and down. I mean, yeah, he had, there's reasons for it. Him, he thinks his um, marriage is falling apart, and he thinks that his work is, you know, sort of supplanting his wife, or, and it is, it really is, um, in his own head. So you understand why he's sad, but you're sort of just like. Get over it, man. You got to help this kid. Like he's important right now. This is why you work. You're working, and you got to take care of him. And then you can take care of your shit later on. And he just seems like such a downer. But when you realize, like, he's like because he's dead. I mean, how many ghost movies have you seen where the ghosts are sort of just like they're like lost souls, and they're they're not happy. They're not like, yeah, I'm a ghost. This is great. They like they're they're always not always, but they're frequently depicted as being very sad. So it fits. It fits not only the sort of psychological narrative his character's going through, but I also think it fits really well in, into um, sort of horror ghost conventions in a lot of ways. And I think this is it, Shyamalan sort of one of the best things he does in terms of the genre, if we're going to classify it as a horror film, is that he really takes the sort of like gothic tradition and and moves it to modern times and in a really effective way without making it like showy. Like, look at this creepy Victorian house. No, everyone just lives in, like, brownstones in Philadelphia. Yet it feels like a haunted house movie in a lot of regards, and, and an old-school haunted house movie in a lot of regards. So I think that's brilliant what he did. However he did it. However <laughs> he did it. It's, it's a haunted person movie. Almost, mm. Because, yeah. you know, 
like the places have goats to them, and but he's the one, you know, Cole Seer, who's the one who experiences them first. first Cole Seer. Cole Seer. <laughs> Why does he do this with names? Why does he make their names so stupid sometimes? He d- he does it. It's like a thing. Like I don't. <sighs> very very obvious. And Malcolm Crow, <laughs> and you're like, oh, crows crows see the dead pass. Like I know. Living. He thinks he is. He, he is just so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So, okay. Side, sidestep. Sidestepping the actors. We'll, we'll get to Osment because he's he's the, he's the big one. M Night. You know M Night. I I he. You know what he needs to do. He needs to direct something that he does not like. I think he is actually a great director. I yeah. love his. He has this way of just letting the actors. Fill the scene. He's like, we're just gonna sit back. We're gonna, you, you guys, you guys do your thing. We're not gonna cut the camera. You just like behave like this. He's he has a great sense of, you know, what the what the characters are. He's, he's writing really gets in the way. The Sixth Sense, which is his, his big one, and Unbreakable are two fantastic films. But then he starts getting too high on himself to the point where in Lady in the Water he <laughs> writes himself as the savior of the human race and you're like dude you got to you got to back up. I'm glad that he has been you know you had the visit and you had yeah. split those are two very solid films that aren't very Shyamalan-esque. And I really appreciate that but I dude love I love him as a director. I think he's great. And he's you know he's Hollywood enough to make it Interesting, but he also has some artistic conventions. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of long, slow takes yeah. that uh, are really great. There's a scene when Tony Collette and Haley Joel Osment are talking over breakfast or dinner. Or dinner. Yeah, they're eating yeah, or something. Yeah, they're, they're eating, and she's like, you know, what happened to those lockets? And it's the camera just slowly slides back and forth between the two. And like most people would just say, okay. Allows you to feel the space that is growing in between these two characters, and I th- I think that is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> he's, he's when he when he gets too high on himself, because everyone was calling him like the second coming of Christopher. Yeah, he could punch his own ticket. I think his own his own ticket needs to be something he does not like. I do not think he has done that yet. But man, I so want him to do that. Um, what do you? Think of M Night. <laughs> Look at looking back at this movie that made him who he is. Yeah. All the stuff he's done since. I mean, I, I'm. I guess I'm a. I, I'm a fan. I don't know why I'm saying I'm a fan. I, I am a fan, although he he had sort of that string of debacles where. So so I'll I'll say this. My my history with him is very is very interesting. Like I I didn't see the Sixth Sense in the theater, but I saw it at home. Then Unbreakable came out, and I was like. Nope, not seeing that shit. I didn't see that till way later, and I love it. I, I love it to this day. I rewatched it actually not that long ago after we rewatched The Sixth Sense because I wanted to see it, and after seeing Split, we rewatched it. Um, and then the so the first movie of his I saw in the movie theater was Signs. That was the next movie I think. Mm. <clears throat> and I so I I, I had seen <clears> or <throat> heard I knew all about the twists, and the thing I I guess that struck me about Signs. Not, we've already talked about the sort of the, the, him as a technician, as a technical director, 
and an actor's director. He's fantastic. I mean, it's beautiful stuff to look at. But what I loved about Signs so much was that you were like, everyone's supposed to think it's aliens. What's going to be the twist, M. Night? What is it going to be? And then it's like, oh, no, it's just aliens. It was aliens the whole time. <laughs> and, I mean, there's other things that go on in the movie that, you know, I, I, I've been rewatching it. I haven't. I don't, I don't always love everything about that, but I just love that he sort of even knew he was doing something and he needed to, like, I got to pull back on this and, and change it up a little bit. Unfortunately, then, you know, we have things like The Village and it goes on. Lady in the Water is, like, the apex of that movie is almost so pretentious and full of itself that it's, like, a masterpiece of that. Like, it is so funny to watch with that in mind. It, 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 Steve, I, if you ever, in, in the near future or at any point, talk to Jeremy Ellis. Jeremy Ellis is a, like, Shyamalan fanboy. And I believe, and if, if he listens to this when, when it goes on, he can support this. I think he really loves The Lady in the Water. And I think he loves it for similar reasons that I didn't, like, want to see The Sixth Sense. He loves it because everyone fucking hates it. Um, <laughs> and that's a very Ellis thing to do. <laughs> Classic Ellis right there. My college roommate, people don't know. My, my college roommate, he is, we are kindred spirits in a lot of regards, but very different also. Uh, perfect split for college roommates. So yeah, I I I love Shyamalan. I'm I'm rooting for him. I'll see anything he puts out. I'm very excited about the sort of uh, string he's on right now. I really enjoyed the visit. I didn't see it till way later, but I really enjoyed it. And then um, I really liked Split just because it was it was just really well made, and I didn't know necessarily where it was going. And there were parts of it that were sort of like predictable in a good way and parts that were unpredictable in just the right amount of ways. And I'm really pumped to see, obviously, where, where he goes from here because there's, there's some exciting things coming yeah. from him. Hopefully, hopefully good things. Hopefully good things. Are we calling it the Shyamalanverse? The what, what's, what's the, because Shyamal, Shyamala, Shyamalverse. We'll come up with that. All right. <laughs> Haley Joel Osment. Yes. Child actor Wonderkin. You needed a precious but older than he actually is child. Back in the late 90s, early 2000s, we called Haley Joel Osment. What do you think of his performance here? And what do you think of that trope of the smart-ass kid who's smarter than the adults in general? Um, I think if, to the second question, I feel like if that's handled well, if, if you have sort of a, an actor who's also sympathetic and vulnerable enough that you don't just see them as that, like a type, um, it's fine. I think, I, I don't think that there's moments where, it, I mean, I'm sure you could reference something that I'd be like, yeah, I fucking hate that person in that movie. But uh, I think in general, it, it doesn't bother me. And again, I, I had sort of uh, retracted what I said about Haley Joel Osment the first time. I think he is, he's such a, uh, he, he has so much vulnerability in this movie that really sort of like belies how young he was when the movie was made. It's sort of amazing to me that he can like, like he just plays alongside these other veteran actors and it's not a big deal. He's just sort of like right in there and, and you know, credit to M Knight as you, as you were talking about him as a fantastic director and a fantastic actor's director, which pretty much all directors should be. If you're not an actor's director, there's probably something wrong or you're like, or you're, you're much or you just don't care about, yeah, you just don't care about your <laughs> actors. Here, here, Barbie, here, Ken, run around, explosions, tigers. Um, yeah, I, I, I think his vulnerability ultimately wins the day for me in this movie. And I, if, if he's not, if he's not sympathetic or empathetic and vulnerable, the movie doesn't work. And I, I think he, he nails it like right away. You're just like, I want to hug this kid. I want, 
people. I want someone to take care of him. I want someone to figure out what's going on with him. I want him to be helped because I feel like right away he he deserves it. And that's that's pretty amazing um, to, to pull from an actor that young. I mean, to feel that like almost right away. And again, credit some of that to Shyamalan. But yeah, I mean, good, good stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a character that at its core demands empathy to it because that's what it's 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 what the movie is about. It's about helping each other to move on from whatever it is, whether it's a li- because you can't talk to your mom about this or literally move on from your sort of limbo. Um, and he, Terry Joe Osment, has such wonderful empathy for such a young age. You can find people who are our age who are yeah, and he is none of that. He's uh, he he has this world weariness that comes with seeing dead people everywhere he goes, and with the inability to shut it off. Yeah, that um, is uh, rare in I think anyone, but especially certainly in somebody that young. He was eleven or something at the time. He was, yeah, yeah, he was, he was born in '88. Yeah, yeah, he was very young at the time. Yeah, he he got it because. Uh, he he got the role, I think, because he wore a tie. <laughs> I think I remember reading something about that. Yeah, it's it just, it just, it just cute. It's like okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, his his dad actually had a you know his dad told him to read the script and he read the script. He read the whole script, not just his lines. And his dad said that it, this is not this is not a ghost story. This is a movie about communication. That's the next point I want to I want to touch on because that, that's what it is. It's like you have Bruce Willis who can't talk to his wife. You have Terry Joe Osmond who can't talk to his mom. And you know, Bruce Willis can only talk to right. uh, Haley Joel Osment, and I, I just—it's not even the scenes of them trying to solve the, the case of Misha Barton being poisoned. It's them just talking. I love their scene where the where Bruce Willis goes. You know what you need to do? These ghosts need your help. That's that's what that's what happens. They just they want to be helpful. Like what if what if they're what if they're mean? He goes. I don't think that's how it works. That is such a wonderful message to bring to a to a horror movie, quote unquote yeah. horror movie, because all and all supernatural horror movies, ghosts are just they're really sick, they're tormented, they're evil, they want to inflict pain on everyone. But here, they are they pos- contain the same humanity in that they just want someone to acknowledge them and to listen to them and get the metaphorical hug at, at least yeah and in doing so you know Haley Joel Osment in the great scene with his, his mom in the car I think I think that was probably the quickest hit that I got from that he just says like I you know I see dead people I, I talk to dead people I talk to grandma mm. and she wants you to know that Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, yeah but you know, it, it's like it's, there's that catharsis for him, where this entire time he's been unable to talk to his mom about this because who would believe him? Right. And his mom certainly wouldn't. But you know, he's keeping this secret, and it just end up uh, end up costing him because of the scene you guys mentioned. And it's a win for communication with your loved ones, and it's a win for the movie because it's this great. It's the client. It's 
I think the climax of the movie, and it yeah. comes so quietly. Like that's like that. That's what we're waiting for. We're not waiting to see. Oh, is Bruce Willis going to figure it out? It, I don't think it would actually matter. It certainly helps. We we need to see this kid get over his issues and continue on uh, a better path for for advancing his uh, career as an assassin. Agree. Yeah. Um. So I, I do have I do this one thing. So. We have five senses. We can see, we can taste, we can hear, we can touch, and we can uh, the other one is smell. Those are the five senses. We have a lot of minor senses, a sense of direction, a sense of timing, a sense of up and down. Mm-hmm. There, 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 there are a lot of senses. Why in God's name is the sixth sense talk to dead people? <laughs> it seems like a leap. <laughs> that should be, it should be like fiftieth sense or something. Like there, should, there, there are a lot more well-established senses <laughs> before we're like, all right, and this one you talk to dead people. Like, yeah, what? you smell and then dead people. <laughs> yeah, like how does that like? Wait, so I'm existing in this dimension and then suddenly, oh, it's this whole other dimension. Like, really? Is that is that really what the sixth sense is? <laughs> I don't. I mean, I guess it. I guess it works just from a, 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 bra- a marketing branding. I think standpoint. it's. I think it's marketing and title work. Yeah. I oh think yeah, it's totally. Ooh, what is it? And then, that's pretty much it. Because <laughs> honestly, like, the, the, yeah, the movie could be called a, a million other things probably, and it wouldn't. But it's it's you want to get people in, and I mean, it makes sense. You have sort of a you know a director who hasn't had a, has had a hit, and mm-hmm. you want something that's sort of snappy and gets people gets people into the into the film and then from that point on you just trust that it'll do its job but it it, it makes people go like ooh, what is the sixth sense and then you're sort of like okay and i gotta find out now it's like oh talk to dead people all right that's cool yeah, <laughs> yeah. um one of the things i like in this is that they, they go on this little detour to solve this girl's murder mm-hmm. what did you what did you think of that what are, what are your thoughts on misha barton showing up I think that I think that Shyamalan it, it's like he he wanted to make a horror movie but he also didn't want to make a horror movie so when he tr- he tries to like interject moments uh, where it gets a little spooky and this is one of those scenes with her under the bed right I remember she's under the bed that, I remember that being like a moment where everyone was like ah because it's, it's pretty scary and it, it still sort of scared me this time around just because it's loud and it's you know it's certainly unexpected um but I, f- I don't think he always nails the horror in this movie, particularly from uh, someone who watches a ton of horror movies, like one a day. Um, I, d- I didn't find the movie particularly scary, but I did find the movie disturbing. And I think it's always the sort of human side of things that makes things more horrifying, like the fact that the you know the sort of Munchausen by proxy syndrome that they sort of figure out with this girl and the and the videotape at the it's at the funeral, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, the scenes of the funerals, it, and I mean, it, it's just like heartbreaking. And I'm watching it, and like, this is so dark, and this is so much scarier than like a boo moment that just like freaks you out. Like to me, this is like, ooh, it, it's just completely unsettling. Um, that being said, just beyond the horror stuff, this is sort of like Cole's hero moment, right? This is when he sort yeah. of like transcends being. This is when he becomes Cole Seer. Like he, he, you know, he's like a comic book hero at this point. And <laughs> I think it, I think it's just a really, it, it seems like, you know, sort of like a set piece and it's 
sort of obvious that it's a set piece, but and and, that, and some people might criticize that, but at the same time, I mean Hitchcock was a was a master filmmaker, and he totally called out his set pieces. He was like, "Here's going to be a big long scene that's going to that's going to you know weave in and out of different things, but it's going to come to something really important." Um, so I I like it. I think it's one of the most memorable scenes in the film. Um, it's like the one I it's one of the scenes I always think of when I think of the movie. Um, just Misha Barton under the bed looking all creepy and skeletal like it's just it's, it's scary i mean it's just it's yeah it's scary i don't know spooky is, is the right word for it it's just a spooky movie it has this air about it of what the of this is yeah this is all not right i like that scene because i think a lot of other films would have made that sort of minor plot thread the entire movie you know, right because you're, you're you're you have the ghost the ghost needs be settled to, to move on and you need to figure out what happened you know, like that's the that's the mystery and crazy stuff happens and the conjuring and you know, every exorcism in the world but it all rolls into one thing and here right. it's this 15 minute detour and it's mostly about Cole right we find out what happens to the kid but it's kind of irrelevant or at the very least you know, you know maybe you know what you know what it does it does show what a parent should not be <laughs> yeah yes bad parenting <laughs> Totally bad parenting, right. absolutely. <laughs> um, th- th- this uh, seeing this this time, I I was I kept thinking, man, I would honestly I would like a sequel to this movie that is Cole later on and he's sort of mm. beca- he becomes a psychic detective. So maybe it's maybe it's more traditional that they could insert Sh- Shyamalan if he wanted to step up. Oh yeah. That's totally something he would do, by the way. Like at this point in his career, he would—he's totally gonna make a sequel to The Sixth Sense, where he's would it be Cole the is like a paranormal sense? detective. Yeah, yeah. totally. It'd be, yeah. It would—it would be like Doctor Sleep from uh, you know the sequel to The Shining. Yes. Which is okay. I'm like, yeah. all right, yeah, it's a similar similar character. You know, yes. Developmental yep. young kid who can't really talk to Maybe not as bad as uh, adults. Um. So we come to it. Willis is talking to Olivia Williams. She's she's asleep. She's cold. She's saying, you know, sorry, I haven't been there. And she's asking, why did you leave? And you're like, oh, this is definitely talking to his friend. Right. The ring falls. Uh. He realizes he he start he taught himself to be um, right right handed because he's left handed and he didn't want to show the the, the ring the last oh, wow. on his hand. <laughs> so so he. Taught himself to do that. Oh. How does this work? Eighteen years later, it being such a huge moment in pop culture. Mm. How does it work with the rest of the world? Um. Again, I I think seeing it a second time, seeing you know seeing some movies more than once can reveal faults, and I think I, I'm sure. Were things about if I watched this again, I could pick apart things that just that you know that I didn't notice the first time around that I didn't necessarily enjoy. So I was kind of like, "Yup, I'm ready for the ending. Like I'm ready to sort of focus in." So yeah, I, I think uh, when you sort of reflect back on this moment, you, you know, you knowing what happens, you sort of go in with expectations, maybe to feel underwhelmed because once the twist is over, it doesn't feel powerful anymore necessarily. I think we talked about a little bit in the beginning that that's sort of the trap some of these high-concept movies run into. Um, after watching them only once, they're sort of just like, ugh, 
second time you see them. But I actually found myself, and maybe it was just the time in between. I mean, you're talking like 17 years in between seeing this film and then seeing it again. So it's almost like seeing it for the first time. I, I found myself in, enjoying it. I guess the sort of the novelty has, has worn off with the ending. But I thought sort of cinematically it's done really well. Like you mentioned the ring falling. I think in the last thing we see the the video of their wedding, right? It's the video. Like yeah. The, yeah I, I thought that was a really sort of nice way to just sort of end things on just you know just a nice moment and again i just focused on i focused on malcolm as a as a as a ghost as a spirit this time around not necessarily as a human being and that completely not completely but it, it changes the sort of way you see his entire character and his entire character's journey um you know just like cole has sort of done something to be heroic and sort of saved something so too does malcolm in the end sort of uh fulfill um, one of these reasons he's sort of is still around, right? That he tells his wife she was not sort of second in his life and that he always loved her. And I, I think that that's a really, he's able to do it. And I think that that's really touching and, and romantic. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to get sappy, it, it's very romantic and, and well handled. And Bruce Willis um, does a, does a damn good job. I think in this moment, it's, it's very affecting. I found, so I think it holds up. I think so too. I guess maybe I'm a, family man now my age as a, as a kid but it was it struck me as the ending of a love story mm-hmm. like, 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 you, like this marriage is on the rocks but and you realize why why it is and you can right sort of let it go for once it was it was i found myself going yeah i, 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 I can feel that in my, in my yeah. heart just how yeah because yeah. <laughs> because letting go of something especially another person that can be really hard to to do that to because that's what's best for them is uh, that is a powerful and very hard choice to make and uh, when he does it it's it's cathartic it's freeing yeah. for for him yeah. and for the audience because you go okay everyone's like part of the movie where I go everyone is kind of scared now right like, it's strange considering like the events right yeah it's right. still very tragic and sad but yeah you you, you do sort of feel hopeful. I guess. Yeah, which is, is a good feeling walking out of the theater you know, after yes. I finished. It was, I just thought, man, that you don't get a lot of hopeful ghost stories these days. Maybe the movie A Ghost Story is, uh, I haven't seen it. I hear it's uh, utterly fabulous. But yeah. This movie was, that, that ending, it, it works. It's a great twist if you haven't seen the movie, but even if you have, it's a great character moment. It's the conclusion, yeah. the organic conclusion of uh, a character's arc and, and, yep. and purpose. And it, I think Shyamalan absolutely nails it. Again, guy does not get enough credit as a director. So, uh, this is a four-year reconsideration episode. Uh, Sixth Sense, how has it held up and how does it compare to the actual winner, American Beauty? Hmm. So I think... I think when we discussed American Beauty, we talked a little bit about how its, it's sort of luster has faded over the years, and and it's because I think that there's you know, a lot of movies in, in, made in similar fashion, and it just doesn't feel as fresh as it did in 1999. Um, whereas Sixth Sense, for for a lot of reasons, I think is feels a little more timeless. It doesn't feel like it's aged. It's it's aged as much, and perhaps that's because it already fits into a sort of tradition of haunted house, haunted person, gothic kind of thing, and maybe that's it feels sort of timeless in that sense. Um, so to me, 
and, and maybe it's because I'm a genre fan too. But to me, I, 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 I do think it's funny considering my history with the Sixth Sense. I do think that it, it holds up better than American Beauty does overall. I think there's, I mean, there's aspects of American Beauty that we discussed uh, for a while that are just awesome, and they still are awesome, and they were awesome in 1999. But the Sixth Sense just feels more like there's something um, universally powerful about it that just sort of works. Like you don't need to be a um, you know a dad in a failing marriage that has like a mental breakdown, like a midlife mm-hmm. crisis, to understand the sixth sense. You sort of have to put yourself into a weird headspace to get into American Beauty. It's not necessarily a headspace you'd want to be in, but I think uh, the sixth sense is a, is a lot more easy to sort of jump in universally and, and understand somebody's point of view. Um, and I think there's a there's a power in that that is sort of maybe maybe people don't think that much about when they think about the sixth sense. Agreed. Um, I was I understand why they gave it to American Beauty it, it, mm-hmm. at the time. It was dazzling and great. Mm-hmm. But in looking back, I you know you can make a lot of cases for all the movies that were nominated in 1999 yeah. for uh, for winning. But this one this one really it touched me in a way I hadn't expected. I think it's because you know it's a film that I feel like it's one of those where you can take something from it whatever age you are at mm-hmm. when you're younger you might associate more with the social isolation and kind of loneliness of cold but as you get older like maybe you become more Bruce Willis or even in Tony Collette or Olivia yeah. Williams you like there's there's something there I think for like everyone can kind of latch onto and you kind of grow into and I think just the fact that it wasn't it, it's not going off as much although it is shot Quite beautifully, and yeah. edited uh, wonderfully. That makes it very easy to get into and just appreciate. And you, you go, oh, this is just a very well-told story. As opposed mm-hmm. to, yeah, remember that scene with the uh, with the rose petals? That was crazy. Right, right, right. <laughs> that was like that was dazzling. But here, it's a it's it's a very simple movie that never loses track of its characters. It uh, is a ghost story without being horror movie it's 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 a lot of genre mashup that just uh, is run through the M. Night Shyamalan Mad Lib machine and it comes mm-hmm. out uh, rather uh, it's a very beautiful it's a beautiful movie yeah it's classy it's, it's classy it's, film it's a cl- it's a classy movie it's a movie about hope in the way you know American Beauty was kind of about hope and appreciating life as well but they did it in a very in your face way you know, yeah. the narration this is it just like I said, it leaves you with that sense of warmth and the belief that things are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. That um, I, I had a, I, I connected with more here than I did in American Beauty. I think I had to go and put down. I think this would make a strong defense of the Sixth Sense, winning Best mm-hmm. Picture without Sixth Sense, which is uh, certainly something. Certainly, yeah, would have, yeah, yeah, crazy. You have anything else left for our discussion on the movie? No, I, I just think that um, it, it's it's an important movie in general, I think in pop culture, but I think it's also an important film within loosely within the horror genre because it shows the sort of flexibility, the malleability of the horror genre. You can do sort of anything with it and that's something i love so much about the genre it's like music it's like heavy metal music you can do anything in heavy metal and it doesn't matter it's just like yep that's metal 
you can have a trumpet in your band, and you're like, yeah, that's metal. Violins, that's totally metal. Opera singing, awesome, so metal. With horror films, you can you can do so much because the expectations are sort of all over the place. There's like genre tropes and cliches, but sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes they do matter. And I think this is just a beautiful example of using um, sort of like loss and you know issues of communication, you know, and, and, but telling it in a sort of atmospheric and moody and, and spooky horror psychological thriller. I just think it works so, so well. So, you know, for that point alone, I would say I also would have loved to see it win Best Picture. I probably wouldn't have loved to see it win Best Picture in 2000. Right. But in 2017, thinking back on it, it would be it would just been awesome because it would have totally opened up such a sort of amazing avenue for the genre. I mean, this movie is sort of predicated on the the popularity I think of Scream in 1996, the slasher film. I mean, meta slasher film, but this horror just exploded in the mid 90s and we had so much and i think this was almost kind of like the apex of it and it's sort of telling and, and fitting that it came in 1999 towards you know towards the second half of the year it just sort of works that we were building up to this moment i think that i think what if we didn't get the sixth sense we would have gotten a movie like the sixth sense in the horror genre in 1999 ish around there. i think we would have got something like this um just because it felt like the genre was moving in that direction and that's just fucking awesome it's so cool I love it. <laughs> I, I think it's a very, very coherent genre conversation. Is one I look forward to having with you all month long. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, that having been said, next week we are doing a a horror movie, a non-traditional horror movie, one that is certainly terrifying on a human level. Uh, <laughs> we are heading to the Corova Milk Bar <laughs> to uh, discuss 1971's. Clockwork Orange, directed by Stanley Kubrick, starring the great uh, Malcolm McDowell. Uh, looking for I I you know what? I don't know if I'm looking forward to seeing that because it is a movie that <laughs> messed you up. Yeah, but it's, it's a Kubrick movie, and uh, we will have a special guest on to help discuss that one. I'm looking forward to that. And folks, as always, if you have enjoyed what you just heard, you can write us an email at offthewatchpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to find us on social media at offthewatchpod. And if you are listening on iTunes, be sure to drop a review. Dudes, guys, ladies, it really helps uh, help people find this little this little gem. And I assure you, we will get back to talking about the best pictures, but right now it is October. Yeah, it's October. We're doing, we're doing some fun stuff. With uh, with all the genre movies that never win. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> Matt Marchetti, where can people find you? You guys can find me. We talked a little bit about it in the beginning. Or you guys can find me on Instagram at uh, movie underscore matinee. Matinee with two T's. Um, I try to do movie review a day. I was sort of backlogged for a while because I've been building up through the 31 horrors of October 2017, um, which I'm, I'm six deep or five deep, I guess. So it's my favorite time of year in general, and it's my favorite time of Instagram year in general as well, because it's just fun. I get to go back and like a lot of horror films I've bought over the year and I haven't had a chance to watch yet. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing all these, like from <laughs> just absolute crap to like just fantastic stuff, theatrical release. I'm just, I love it. And I'm also, you know, just posting a lot of October related uh, a movie convention next weekend and different different we're going to a, a special screening of a 
um, sort of independent horror film on the October the 12th, which is my birthday in Salem, Massachusetts, of all places. Uh, so I am very excited for that. I know it's just like perfect. It, everything just lines up in October for me. Um, and then like all the bills come in and I'm like, I've spent all my money on every, uh, it's fine. It's fine. People for, for like the 40 people who read the reviews or time I post them. I'm so excited to be doing it and it makes me happy. So please follow, please like, please comment, please, please do all that fun stuff. I love it. He loves comics people. I really do love like. comics. And you yeah. should absolutely check out his stuff. He'll, uh, he'll turn you on to a lot of things you have never heard about. Sounds so great. Or I'll just turn you on. That too. (laughs) Anyways, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, we'll see you on the red carpet. I see it, I hear it, I smell it, I taste it, I touch it. Five senses, I see it, I hear it, I smell it, I taste it, I touch it. Five senses, see it, hear it.